Hey food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Whether you're looking to get on your very first store shelf or you're looking to grow your national or even international food brand, this podcast is going to teach you what it really takes to launch, grow, and scale a packaged food brand. Hear the food founder journeys of brands growing in their industry so you can fast track your food business success. I'm your host, Ainsley, and this is the Food Founders Podcast. Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. I'm your host, Ainsley, and today I'm really excited to have Andreas and Mike from Boreal Botanicals on the show. Mike, Andreas, welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Thank you. Really excited to have you both on here today to talk about Boreal Botanicals and what you guys are up to as you are kind of, kind of taking over, let's say, or expanding in this uh, growing mushroom category. Um, Can you just kick it off by grounding us all in what is Boreal Botanicals and who are you guys for? So we brew adaptogenic tonics, we call them supertonic, out of functional mushrooms. Um, The three mushrooms we got currently in production are chaga, which is native to Canada, native to the northern forests, Rishi, and a lion's mane. And they all have different properties. They have different flavor properties that they bring to the, uh, you know, they bring into the can. And we started this, Mike, how long ago did we start this? Two and a half years ago? I think I think about two and a half years ago was when we had our original conversation about it. Yeah, this got started over lunch because both Mike and I had started to learn about functional mushrooms. And um, I started reading this. Yeah, I'll show you. I can't show the listeners, but I can show you because I can see you on screen. I bought this book called The Fungal Pharmacy, which was an amazing eye-opener for me because it's geeky enough to be interesting, but it's simple enough to be something that you can understand as a layman when you first get into this entire thing. So that was a super interesting book. And I think, Mike, you've, Mike, you've done your own research as well, right? Yeah, at the time, I, I have another uh, food company called Seeds of Sausage, and I was developing a snack stick for children that was uh, really good for brain health. And um, so at the time, I was really trying to get an extra 10% out of my sort of cognitive function uh, so I could get extra work done. And, and Lion's Mane, I was super into Lion's Mane. So Andreas, having a marketing agency that I had worked with in the past, um, we were having lunch together and I was telling him all about Lion's Mane. He was telling me about Rishi and, uh, and it sort of went from there. Yeah, I went home. I mean, that evening I went home and said to Mike, if I start building a brand, would you be interested in looking into formulation? And Mike said, yes. And so I went home and I started coming up with the brand and the brand ideas. And what we see today on the can is there was a direct red line to that first presentation that I shared with Mike. There is an additional interest for me in there. I also stopped drinking alcohol at that time. And I started. I stopped drinking alcohol because in my 40s, all of a sudden, I figured out that I'm a total lightweight. And even a beer, two beers, I'd wake up three o'clock in the morning and I couldn't go back to sleep. And two days later, I'm grumpy and I'm tired. And I said to my wife, you know, I wonder if this has something to do with alcohol, like even small amounts. And so I, I tried, no, I didn't drink for 30 days. And about two weeks in, the results were so amazing that I haven't really touched alcohol since. I drink the occasional glass of champagne at Christmas or at my wife's birthday. But generally, I don't drink, I hardly drink anymore. 
And then the problem for me was at the time, like, what do you drink when you're not drinking? Because all the stuff that's out there is either full of sugar or it's boring. It doesn't taste of anything. And so when I spoke to Mike, I said, you know, like, like this is my, my personal itch that I'd like to scratch. And is this something that, you know, you could look into? And then, Mike, you also start looking at stuff where you say, you know, I'd like something interesting to drink, right? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, when you're not drinking alcohol, sort of what are the choices you have available? We have, you know, soda, uh, which is a little bit boring, but like the, the flavored soda waters. Uh, you have soda pop, which is filled with sugar. Uh, we're all consuming less sugar nowadays. Uh, and then you have a juice. So you don't have a lot of realistic adult choices when you're not drinking alcohol. And I would find myself drinking every night, you know, I'd have a beer um, or a glass of wine. Usually I stay away from wine because it gives me a headache in the morning for sure. But um, the beer also really filled with gluten. I Don't get me wrong. Unlike Andres, I do love having a drink. Um, but... Uh, when you're looking for something that you're that's not alcoholic as an adult, we don't have a lot of options. Uh, so we both recognized that there was an opening in the market here, or not so much there was an opening in the market, just there was no options for us as consumers. And uh, then we also, looked, uh, we also looked at the market, right? Because once look, once I talked to you and you talked to me and we kind of looked at each other and said, Well, there's two of us. Um, we also looked at the market in general and we we have because of our other lives, we have access to data. And, um, you know, that data told us at the time that people like us weren't the exception anymore, that, you know, alcohol sales were going down. And more and more people were just looking not to complete, like, this is not to demonize alcohol in any way or form. This is really just, you know, maybe I, it's a Wednesday night. Maybe I'd like to have a drink, but not necessarily alcohol in this particular drink. And I read Sober Curious by Ruby Warrington. It's a really interesting book that sort of explores this entire idea of being aware about one's alcohol consumption. And I thought that was some really interesting thinking in there. And clearly, it's not just us. Clearly, it's like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people out there. Because when you look at the data, it's a trend that's been going, going strong for the last couple of years. And so... When we first decided to make a business out of this, we did this based on a whole bunch of data that we had access to. And so what about you, Ainsley? Like, where where do you sit in all of this? How does this sound to you? Yeah, this, you guys are speaking to this. This absolutely resonates with me. I mean, for me, I might kind of the same with you, trying to get the most out of my cognitive function. I take adaptogens on a daily basis. I mean, mushrooms have become part of my everyday consumption for sure. And Andreas, like you, I just don't drink as much alcohol. I mean, I, I'm a grump for like two days after and no one, no one wants that. And so for me, I know that's something that I've been focused on. So this to me is like, yes, definitely strikes the chord. And I think like you guys notice so many people are moving in this area of reducing alcohol consumption, wanting to get more from their body. And yeah, there is no, there's no adult beverage in a lot of ways that you feel great about having. My question for you guys is like, what does this taste like? For me, like I, I know mushrooms kind of what they can taste like, but some people might be listening and thinking mushroom type of like functional beverage. What on earth is this? going to taste like this can't be delicious but i bet it's absolutely the contrary so talk to us about what exactly this tastes like michael's so, a genius in making stuff taste delicious thank you andres um, so 
the key to this is when I describe it to people, I, I don't call it a mushroom, right? When we talk about uh, chaga, rishi, lion's mane, it's becoming so popularized now that people, people, a lot of people, when they talk about chaga in the health industry, don't even necessarily realize it's a mushroom. Um, and so the chaga drink, it's, um, it's, uh, it's chaga blueberry and spruce. Now, chaga doesn't taste like a mushroom. It tastes uh, coffee notes, chocolate notes you'll get off of it. So when you drink this, it's like, it's like a light stout. Um, so if you were to drink a light beer, but a darker one, uh, so you get a little bit of that coffee or chocolate note in it, is what it would be like with hints of blueberry and like the volatile components of it for your scent would be that of uh, blueberry and spruce. Um, so that's all it is. I have uh, extracts of chaga. So we have, we get the chaga. Um, gentleman in Sault Ste. Marie goes out on a skidoo, harvests, harvests the chaga off of trees. Then we get it. We put it into a kettle uh, and then we brew it uh, with the spruce and blueberry um, filtered and then put it into our can. Uh, carbonated as well, too. So uh, this drink tastes just, it, it's just a great, refreshing drink. Then the region. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Andres. So I'm going to open one here. Oops. I'm going to open one and I'm going to show you. And unfortunately, nobody can see this, but I'm going to show you the color. Okay. So it's like this kind of caramelly. It does, it looks like an amber ale to me. Right. Yeah, it's a little, little darker than an amber. Yeah. It's tough to see on there. But yeah, yeah, you're totally right. Huh. And like right. lots of fizz. Like that for me is like screaming carbonation, which is what, especially if you're trying to go after people who are looking to replace alcohol consumption or just want like a fun drink. Let's be honest. I'm drinking flat water right now. It is boring. I'd much rather be having like sparkly something. You know what I mean? Like it's not fun. <laughs> and the key, and look, I mean, if, I, if I smell this, the way Mike has built this, when I smell this, like the carbonation is designed to drive up those beautiful spruce on those absolutely gorgeous blueberry scents, but it's not artificial because we're using the real thing. And it's funny when you put this in front of somebody's nose, some people are team blueberry, some people are team spruce. <laughs> it's so funny that everybody it, it, like it really it, it is different to different people um, even on me when I smell it having made it some days I get more blueberry than spruce and it's the exact same batch like we need a large batch of it right so no difference in the beverage from day to day but I will get different notes but um, on that see, the key, see how beautiful this is right and this is all natural color from the chaga wow yeah that looks so, that looks so refreshing the key to this that we didn't mention is um, there's no sugar and no added sweetener. So the water that you're drinking is basically, this will add no more negative effects to your body than that water. We did notice the thing about the Chaga one is I've been drinking too much of it. Uh, same with some members of our team. And it really does give you a nice energy. There's like a real, I was not expecting that as much i thought like a you know a long-term sort of more sustained the thing with mushrooms is it's not like a huge impact like caffeine normally but it's more of a sustained thing that you take them over time you do get great benefits from them but it's not a slap in the face mm. this chaga beverage you know after four cans i'm feeling uh energized out of it and you know what i do a beautiful and i'm all gonna make you all jealous with i do a sunday morning cocktail with this with some cold brew concentrate tiny little bit of ginger syrup a little bit of orange bitter on top and perhaps just a tiny little bit of lemon peel. And it makes a absolutely 
gorgeously refreshing, uplifting, empowering Sunday morning cocktail. It's just the best thing to drink. That sounds so delicious. <laughs> I'm officially jealous. <laughs> I need to make that because that sounds so good. That's like a Friday night cocktail right there. Well, maybe in the morning, Friday morning. Yeah, I've had this in the evening as well. Like we, I, we, had some, we had some friends before all this started. We had friends over for cards and it was our official card playing because it keeps you alert and it keeps you awake and keeps you sharp. Well, and then the other two flavors we did was elderberry, Rishi and birch. So that's uh, citrusy. And then you have the elderberry or the, I'm sorry, the Rishi, which is relaxing. And then elderberry is a super immune boosting component. So tastes a very little bit of citrus, really nice drink. Again, super easy drinking. And then the third one was lion's mane, sumac and juniper. So that's like sort of like a gin and tonic with a little bit more citrus. If you think of like a Tom Collins without the sugar in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, I wanted to model these after more adult beverages, but then remove the sugar out of it, make it clean, refreshing, and just have a lot more flavor than your, you know, sort of flavored blend or soda waters, which I think an ultra popular, but I think we're getting a little bit tired of those. Yeah, I agree. I think people are looking for, they're looking for more, right? Especially if I'm, if I'm going to be out with friends and I'm choosing not to have an alcoholic beverage, or even if I'm just at home and not wanting to do it, there is something with that ritual piece. And I mean, yeah, water is just, it, it can be great, but it just doesn't have that same, that same piece. You feel like you're missing versus I feel like with how you guys have crafted this, you're, you're gaining so much. You're not missing out on flavor. You're not missing out on this flavor experience at all. It's enhancing your experience. It's just a different experience than if it were with a beer or a glass of wine. Well, and it's, it's so funny you say that, Ainsley, because today I was just speaking with a number of different wineries in Ontario, uh, working on some things. And one of the things they said to me is during the summertime, uh, you always have this designated driver come out to the winery with all the other guests. And I didn't mention this to you yet, Andres, but so a lot of the wineries are looking for the beverage now because as the designated driver, when you drive out to the winery, they're serving them pop and, you know, but Nobody wants this and they're feeling like that. With this beverage, now the, 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 the guest at the winery um, that was coming for the wine is interested in this new drink. Um, so it includes them, it includes the non-drinker in a whole new way. Mm. Well, and this is really interesting. Okay. I was talking to somebody recently from, from the US who's interested in the drink. And she said, she said, you know, your story is like a wine story. Because, you know, as Mike was saying early on, our chaga supplier... He lives in a cabin in the woods. That, that's where he lives, right? About an hour north of Sousa-Marie. He lives in the forest. He GPS tracks the trees. Um, he makes sure only to take about 80% so that the chaga can regrow. He works with a forestry commission where they actually track the growth of the chaga and how it's spreading through the forest. So the entire thing is so full of stories and it is so full of history you know, in in, in Stockholm, in, in, Stockholm, in uh, Finland, chaga has long been used as a coffee substitute. In Siberia, people take or women take a chaga bath after childbirth. 
and it's like a ritual cleansing bath. And they found that chaga contains uh, chemicals that protect both the mother and the baby after childbirth. So, you know, in like many of these old folklore things, there is there is an element of, of reason behind this. So there is just so much story. There's so much lore behind this particular ingredient. We have this tendency to look for superfoods like in the Amazon or in the Himalayas. And all we have to do is really look at our own boreal forests. And they're full of interesting plants that are beneficial to the body, the soul, the mind, all together. Yeah, there's so much of this, like these ancient ingredients that are finally being like brought back to surface. And I think consumers are, are looking for it more than ever. And you're absolutely right. There's so much of this that is in our own backyard that we can be using in products here. And there's so many superfoods that we have here in North America that we should be bringing more of and bringing it more to the market for sure. Okay, so you guys both have a wealth of experience in in really different areas, which is fantastic in terms of being able to complement each other from a co-founder's perspective. Mike with the food aspect, Andreas with the marketing aspect. Talk to me. This has not been all roses and butterflies along the way, I'm sure. What's been one of the big lessons that you guys have had as you've been growing this brand and this product? Everything takes twice as long and costs twice as really. I mean, you know, it takes three times as long because, or four times as long because COVID hit. But really, that's what it comes down to. Everything takes a lot longer than you think it's going to take, and everything's going to be a lot more expensive than you think it's going to be. And I think for, for us both, one of the big lessons, and this is really difficult to say because I don't mean to be. Like one of the things at the beginning, we did what we were, what people recommended to us. And that means we worked with a number of food scientists. And these were amazing people who had nothing but our best interest at heart and did a fantastic job. And we would have allowed them to do what they wanted to do. They would have completely ruined the drink because they, they looked at this entire thing from a scientific point of view. And so all of a sudden, our ingredient list is going longer and longer. And all of a sudden, there are things like, you know, there, there are things like caramel for color in there. And Mike and I look at each other and say, well, why is there caramel in there? Well, because, you know, we need, you guys wanted this color. And I said, well, what about the color from the chaga? Well, we had to reduce this because of all of very, very good reasons. And I think, you know, after about half a year of this, Mike and I, we looked at each other and we said, we need to pull this back and we need to create this. Or when I say we, I asked Mike to please create this because that's what he does and build a prototype ourselves that would be closer to what we're trying to do. And then we scaled it up. And I think so. The reason I'm saying is it's really important to stay true to your own vision. So if you have a vision, there's lots of people out there who have as I said, you know, they had our best interest at heart and they really tried to help us, but they were working perhaps in a way that was stuck in the way they've always worked. And the world is changing. And I think the way we're looking at food is changing. Like, you know, we had this, we had this agreement between the two of us that we would try to keep this to three clean ingredients, you know, three flavors, three ingredients. The whole idea is like the power of three. And Mike managed to achieve this and create really beautiful drinks out of them. But, you know, we, when we try to outsource it, we run into... We run into- yeah, part of, part of the issue was, um, I mean, both Andres and I have, have a lot of experience and we've both built um, our own companies um, and both work with, with much larger companies as to do work for them. But, but nobody knows everything. And it's so important to, to know you don't know. I think I think is a big lesson. We all we all actually 
we all know this. We all we've all heard this before. But but we we get you know lost, and everybody loves to hear themselves talk. No matter even saying that is just a nice thing to hear yourself say. But I knew as a producer um, or creator of products, I would be stuck in my own idea that like oh it's I'm so tired of seeing crap products sell like crazy because of amazing branding. You know, I was really stuck in my own world with that and frustrating. And my company suffered for it for years. I mean, I could have had a much larger company if I put more emphasis on branding. And the same way, you could see tons of products out there that are branded beautifully, but have very little content with inside of the package. So that's where the team of Andres and I work well together. And we've worked with large enough teams and managed enough people under us that we know, you know how, how to work with each other. So Andres, that's what he does. You know, I stay away from him. Uh, I could give him my opinion, but at the end of the day, I could say, I hate this. And he could say, okay, but we're doing it. And that's totally fine with me uh, and vice versa. So work well together like that. But staying authentic to what we do was so important. Um, and then and then some of the biggest lessons um, we've learned, um, I know from creating a food company, that's literally, you know, I make a salami stick, I get in my car, I drive to the restaurant, I sell it through the back door. And then take that money and make two salami sticks. And then I sell two and make four and four to eight, right? That's how I started my first company. And it took me 10 years to make all the mistakes I made. So this, we're taking those lessons and then and then scaling them. So when it came to outsourcing, um, so I didn't, originally I bought a salami factory to make salami or I made my own salami factory. This, we started and we started looking, you know, for the people out there that had more experience than us. Um, and Andres is right. We had to bring it back in and we had to relook at it. Because the biggest thing in starting your own food company, I find, is we all go, you, we don't all do this, but we always hear, you know, I'm looking for the investor. I need 100000 I need 200000 I need 400000 for this or that. That's not what you need. What you need is to understand and know your product. You need to know every portion of it. If you use a piece of equipment to make your products, you need to know how to disassemble and reassemble that because it's going to break down. You can't wait for the guy to show up. So you have to know everything about that product and how you got to where you're getting. And then you have to understand the distribution. You have to understand how to get it to the customers. You got to understand what the collections look like. How are you going to collect your money if you sell it? And, and even on the marketing side, I'm just talking about the production and logistics. On the marketing, I don't even know what's in there because I'm lucky that I have Andres and the financial. We have another partner that handles that. So you really need to start from the beginning and grow. And that's we tried skipping that at the beginning. And we had to reel that back in and, and look at doing it ourselves because it, it became the beverage industry is crazy. What you, um, you could literally do anything in there. And we had to be up there. I think that's really important though. Like you guys, you wanted to bring in experts. As you said, you kind of like learn where there's holes potentially and bring in those people to work in their area of expertise. But then at the end of the day, you guys know what's true to your brand and what you wanted to create. And you were able to, you know, stay really true to that because if you had just gone blindly trusting these other people, like you said, they have full great intention but it's yeah. not your vision. And it's like that vision that 
is really what's going to separate you so that you guys have the brand that stands out, that has the substance, great product, and the brand behind it as well. And the two together really is a winning formula. It's, it's, it's okay to break the rules as long as you know to ask the questions and learn the behind the rule breaking. So if I say no sugar, you know, or if I say, you know, let's, let's add sugar to this, I have to understand fermentation and what happens if bacteria gets in the can and then we create alcohol, you know, we have to, we have to understand that. So it's okay to break rules, but when you're breaking them, you know, say nobody's doing this. Why is nobody doing this? And then thoroughly exhaust that avenue. It is very important to make safe food. Don't, don't think I just said it's okay to break rules um, and, and throw products out there. Yeah, yeah. I, think, no, I think one of the biggest things that I certainly learned, or I think Mike probably knew this more than I do, but it became really, really visible for me. The food part, although it's at the center and at the heart of absolutely everything we do, is almost one of the smaller parts, right? You have to figure out your distribution. You have to figure out your retail. You have to figure out your merchandising. You have to figure out your financials. You have to figure out, as Mike was saying, like your formulation and where and are we going to co-pack? Are we going to pre-create our own production? Like all of these things make the thing that's important possible. But from a staying up at night and working till two o'clock in the morning, you know, they're the bits that take an enormous amount of time and an enormous amount of effort. Creating the product is actually the easiest part of starting your food business. Everybody has a great recipe. Everybody's grandmother has a great recipe. It's, it's, as much as Andre says, I do such a great job. Uh, it is the smallest part of, of getting the product to market. And it's uh, you see the product, which is what Andreas does, and you taste the product is what I do. That's um, what the customer gets. Getting that to the customer is is the biggest challenge. Absolutely. I mean, you know, if you don't have a, a brand that that is going to connect with people, they never get to taste how delicious it is. If you don't have a distribution set up so that it can be on store shelves or delivered to people's front doors, they never get to taste it. And really, I feel like there are so many great products out there that just never make it because they don't figure out those other pieces. And you guys have really focused on those other pieces of the business, the product absolutely is a home run and connects with people and delivers very much what people are looking for. And you have all those other pieces lined up as well to get it into people's homes. Otherwise, it's kind of not all for nothing, but like you created a product so it could help people. So we need to do all the right things to really help people, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, it, it's, but even that, even we, you know, every now and then you, you think, you know, a thing or two, and then you get like a little curveball. Like we have some great mentors that are helping us. And so recently we were in a conversation with one of our mentors. And um, one of the things as a new brand that you get expect that, that people or retail will expect from you is something called free fills, which is basically free product, right? Your, your first order is free. And, um, so a free fill typically comes in case sizes. So they guys, you know how many cases? Three cases, four cases, excellent. And we're sort of happily trundling along with this. And I've talked to our mentor. We have, we have an advisory board. So I talked to one of the members of our advisory board, which if I have to give some advice myself, please get yourself an advisory board. People are really, really happy to help you. And there is so much knowledge out there that more experienced people can share with you. So this guy, who has about as much experience as you can possibly ask for, he looks at me and he says, how big is your, how big, how big is your case size? 
And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, how's your, what's your case size? And I said, 24 cans. And he looks at me and says, you're, I'm not allowed to swear here. <laughs> so why is your case size so big? And I said, what do you mean? And he says, you have to understand the currency is the case, not the content of the case. So he says, get your case size down. And I said, what, to one can? And he says, no, because that would be taken to Mickey and people would raise an eyebrow. But I said, take it down to eight because that's kind of the industry standard and nobody will complain about it. So currently, when you're giving away three cases, you're giving away, you know, 24 times three cans, right? Uh, and now when you give away three cases, you know, then that's considerably less. And those are just sort of things where, you know, you think you've got it under control, everything's steaming along quite nicely, and then somebody who knows a lot more than you just sort of points out the obvious. Um, so there's always an opportunity to learn or to develop and to, to move on. That's good insight, though. Like, you know, you don't really know it until until you've lived it. And great call out to have an advisory board of people that have been in those positions before that can help you kind of like fast track those successes, right? Like, how do we make less mistakes as we grow so that you guys can grow faster, right? Can you guys talk to me about what your growth strategy has looked like right now? How have you been getting on store shelves? How are you connecting with consumers and really getting the word out there about everything that you guys are doing? So we're just about, we've, we just about started to appear on shelves and we've been incredibly lucky through this entire process. We had an unbelievable amount of help, an unbelievable amount of support and an unbelievable amount of goodwill from people. Um, Mike, you took the product and you presented it to our uh, distributor, and they immediately jumped on board and said, this is really interesting, this is groundbreaking. One of um, our distribution partners has uh, one of their sales managers. He turned around and said, this is, the on this is the only innovation I've seen in beverage for the last 20 years. So that made us feel pretty good. And that also helped us to get enthusiasm built within our distribution partners company. And then this was helped by the fact that a number of retailers had heard about what we were doing. And then they started calling the distribution partner and say, where's this product? Because we love this. This is interesting. This is on trend. This is something we see people asking for. So this goes back to the initial research we did when I said, you know, we built this product based on data. Um, and the data we had access to was like that this is a bubbling. This was bubbling up. You know, when you think about kombucha, 10 years ago, kombucha was like a weird, slimy thing. Your mad great aunt would have in a basement. And now you walk into a supermarket and it's like an entire cooler full of kombucha. And we believe that we're just at that inflection point with uh, functional mushrooms as well. So from uh, getting on shelf and getting people to be interested in what we're doing, that has been remarkably positive, those conversations, where there's been an awful lot of support, an awful lot of interest. And an awful lot of, sure, we'll list you and we'll get you on shelf and we'll do this without taking all your money and or your first one. So that's been really good so far. Yeah, I think the, the big one there is um, we've been incredibly lucky to have um, the people work with us that we have. But it's um, sort of like when you go to a real estate agent and the real estate agent sells your house in five minutes, right? And you're paying them a big commission. And uh, your question is, well, how come you got paid that much for five minutes of work? And they're like, well, you know, I sold it in five minutes because it was the last 25 years of experience that I've gained in that. So both Andreas and I have really good reputations in the, the food uh, and beverage industry. So um, when we're lucky enough that if we phone somebody, they generally would, would pick up the phone uh, when we call. Um, and I think we always pay our bills in general, too, which is nice. 
But so, so that was the big one when we need to phone in favors from anybody um, or needed somebody to take a look at what we we're doing. Uh, they really answered our call. So the first get the product to markets, our strategy really was find a distributor because we don't want to deal with collections. We can't put trucks on the road and start hiring people to go de- deliver um, shop to shop. So we needed to find a distributor first. We started with one group initially, which was very large. And then we found another one that that was just an amazing fit. I think they're like the number one distributor for sort of the market that we're in, um, in Canada. So it was a, a dream to have them jump on it. And that was just, you know, a glass of wine at their house, talking about a totally different company. We weren't even talking about Boreal. Um, I just mentioned it in passing on the way out the door. There's no, there's no secret behind it. It's the Neil brothers who, who were uh, distributed by. Yeah. So, so yeah, so uh, it was, I, didn't even I didn't even think about it for a second because usually I, I try not to tell too many people I run more than one company because uh, it makes it sound like I'm I'm too busy or all over the place and I don't want to sound like that. So at the time I wasn't telling anybody that uh, that I was doing Boreal and uh, but Neil Brothers distributes Lacroix. I mean they must go through I don't know how many tractor trailer loads a day of that and they're the ones who brought that into uh, Canada. So working with a team like them in the beverage sector is is amazing and they've been so good to work with. But then looking beyond that uh, getting the product created yeah it's just we our is right we've been very lucky and I'm rambling. <laughs> I mean you guys mentioned that you've been lucky but I feel like it is um kind of like what you said with the real estate agent you guys have built these relationships over years. You've built this strong credibility over the years within the industry and just with your peers that, you know, people trust what you are coming to market with and they trust that if you guys are behind it, heck, it's going to be good. And then you, you know, present them with this and it is, you know, it is great innovation in a very trending area that's not trend going to fade like some other pieces, but I, re- I really do believe functional mushrooms are going to be part of people's everyday consumption for people in that health and wellness piece into the future. And they, they work for generations and generations, and it's almost like we just forgot it, and now we're finally bringing it back. But I think, yeah. The, yeah, the key, in, you know, and I think the key to getting this done was just, I think, being sincere, honest, and authentic. And, and passionate about what you do. Mm-hmm. And so I think I've always tried to be those things. And, uh, and, and it's just made for great partnerships and great relationships uh, for the last, you know, however many years I've been in business in food. And so it's been great. And that's exactly how, how I met Andreas. I mean, he approached me for marketing for my other company years ago. And, uh, and he was just a great guy, albeit rather expensive for me at the time. Uh, he's laughing now, so you can't see him. But yeah, uh, and and you know, he gave me a good deal too. Uh, but um, but yeah, we just kept in touch uh, after that. We go out for lunch, like what, once or twice a year, um, yep. and then this is what came of it. We just became friends from that. And we do that with people all over the country. And now with Boreal, looking at our go-to-market strategy also includes exports to the U.S. So we've already started meeting people all over the U.S. doing really cool adaptions. Very cool. Very cool. I'm excited to see you guys expand down there and all across Canada. I feel like we could go on and on for ages here because I just love talking shop with you guys. The one piece I wanted to, to make sure that we touch on is if you guys are both running your other businesses still and how are you guys managing that along with this growing company? How, how Do you guys sleep? 
No, I'd, <laughs> I'd say on, on my side. So um, it took me time to learn how to manage people well and build a strong team. And so originally I was in the military. Um, I joined the infantry, then did some other stuff, ended up in Kingston um, and uh, started you know, a salami company that does, you know, just high-end restaurant stuff mostly. But so building my team from the military where, you know, if you show up late, maybe they'll put you in prison for a weekend um, to managing people outside of the military was a challenge learning. But from there, I, over the last 10 years, I've really built a strong team. Now, just this afternoon, we were just sitting here in this kitchen uh, me and my team, and we were making gin and tonics uh, at two o'clock. They finished Friday at two o'clock, all of their work. So they came over here and then we were mixing cocktails, having a meeting and that whole process of mixing the cocktails, it's like a team building thing, but we're, we're being creative and we're creating new beverages and, and learning about it through the whole thing. So really having the team built with my other company it runs quite well. I'm still involved in there every day, but that team helps with Boreal and same on Andres' side, I think too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, with Nourish, I'm uh, I look after Nourish Nurture, which is the part of Nourish that works with food startups. Uh, so we help. I help food startups to pretty much have the same success that we are lucky enough to experience with Boreal. Um, you know, I write go-to-market plans, marketing plans for them. I help them to create a brand. And so a lot of the services, a lot of the team on Nourish Nurture that I had access to, which is distributed all over the world, I made use of those resources for Boreal as well. You know, I had access to an absolutely sensational designer, you know, package designer, you know, who understands things like, um, you know, information hierarchy. He understands things like shelf blocking and the importance thereof. Like he understands all of these really, really important things. So another little bit of like, you know, for your listeners, if you're thinking about starting a food business, don't go with your cousin or with your neighbor's kids who's got a design, graphic design degree. They are, again, most likely wonderful people, hugely talented, and they'll create you also most likely food packaging design that won't sell because it's a specific, it's very specialized skill to create design that will work on shelf. And um, I want to I want to just speak to what Andres just said. I just had all my labels redesigned um which I then sent back to Andreas to have redesigned because I did exactly what Andres just said. And so we all do it. Uh, it's it's a constant constant battle, you know. And at Norwich, we get we get three or four clients a year. They come to us. They have a fantastic product. It's on shelf. Uh, they're in danger of being delisted or sales agents pulling. And they say, you know, what's wrong? The, the formulation is wonderful. The ingredients are great. The founder story is fantastic. And you look at the design and say, well, the design doesn't sell. You know, unfortunately, it, it's beautiful and it's pink and it's recessive, like you know, recessive like anything else on shelf. So, it, I mean, and Ainsley, you know all about the importance of these things. Yeah, absolutely. That on-shelf presence makes such a huge difference. And oh, thank you for saying, please don't hire your cousin or basically anyone who's not a packaged food designer. Mike, it's okay. You're right. Everyone does it. So many people do it. We learn from our mistakes, though. Um, I had I had a designer do it that I knew quite well. Right. But that was not her specialty. She did an amazing job. Right. Amazing job. But mm -hmm. you put the packages. They all look great individually on the PDF. But then you put the package side by side and you make that billboard on the shelf with the packages mm -hmm. lined up. And then you realize, wait a minute. 
these they all blend in they all look the same yeah, um, it's, absolutely yeah. that on-shelf presence is so important and we've got like we have three seconds to capture people and you know if that sometimes so you need to capture them in a way that's compelling and clear and gets that point across and makes them want to pick you up and that's that is truly a science and an art there um absolutely and i mean your guys packaging i think is just totally spot on clear and you know it stands out and it just it looks great so clearly you guys nailed that uh, absolutely i would expect nothing nothing less from from nourish and from you guys but even, but even we learned, you know, and I think one of the strengths that Mike and we have when we make mistakes, we look at each other and we fix them there and then, you know, don't be, I th- again, you know, from, from a, it's really interesting for me to sort of, because I've been working with food companies and food clients for like over 11 years now. And it's really humbling to be on the other side of it. I, I loved that Andres was on the other side of it because I've seen him running the marketing agency and now he's the guy running the food company, having to deal with the marketing agent. So I was, I was super excited. I don't know if I ever told you that, Andres. I thought, I thought that was that's, funny. That, that's, that, that's why I went in business with you, just so you could see the other side. I know, but you know, it was it is really humbling because there is so much hard work behind it, and there is so much passion behind it, and there is so much heart behind the whole thing. You know, and it's really easy when you're a marketing guy or a producer. You say, ah, you know, you do this and you do this, and but you kind of you're emotional. Which, however passionate you are about your clients, you will always be emotionally removed in comparison to the founder and so for us right this has always been something mike and i've been lucky because we shared like a very similar vision from the very beginning and when we don't when we when we have disagreements we are adults and so we just hash them out and we come to an agreement and then you know even like we, we back each other up like once the decision has been made both parents stand behind the decision there is no way to put a wedge in between us so but you know what, what i was meaning to say was when we had, like, for example, I'll show you something. On our first packaging run, there is a little call-out, sorry, call-out here that says 0.0% alcohol. If you look at our next run, that call-out has disappeared and it's nowhere to be seen. And that just came from research and what people were reacting to. And it just wasn't important enough for us to be there. It created a little bit of visual clutter. And so we looked at each other and we say, you know, what can we do better next time? Because that was our first text run. We learned from what we did. We went back to the drawing board, went back to the designer and say, one, two, three things need to be changed because they can be better. Let's go. So I think it's really important not to be stayed and not to sort of just because people say, hey, that's great design and it works really well. I think it's really important to look at everything you do with a critical eye all the time because otherwise you just sit still and make mistakes that way it could be as the producer it can be um incredibly challenging sometimes when you're you're talking to the marketing agency and and they're incredibly expensive like for a small company to talk to a marketing agency i mean it's basically starting at sixty thousand dollars um and does it does it really get less than that andres for like nourish we at nourish we for the main agency, it's about $35,000. And Nourish Nurture works with considerably smaller budget, like the company, part of the company I look look after. Um, we help client, we help, we help young startups to get into market for about, for less than $20,000. So expensive um, anyways, uh, but it's, it's all a sliding scale. And it's sometimes it can feel like, oh, I'm not, you know, the giant food company. Uh, when you're sitting there across the table, and then you hear the marketing agency telling you, like, this is it. This is going to sound. This is what you need. This is what you need. And they are so certain. But I'm the guy 
who's developing this beverage the other night and thinking to myself, you know, is there enough blueberry in there? Is anybody really going to drink a mushroom drink? Like I, I question myself constantly and I got to stay always optimistic. Otherwise, I mean, why, why not go work for somebody else? So you're always questioning yourself. So as the producer, I'm still the guy who has to wake up in the morning. You, Ainsley, as the marketing person is going to be like, you got to do this, Mike. But if it fails, I mean, you still got your money from me. So, so it's always, it's always a super challenge for the person making it. But I have to say, being on the other side of the table, working with the marketing people, you gotta, you also gotta say, listen, you knew your stuff, go do it. I'm not going to tell you how to do your job and I'm not going to give you 500 revisions because then that's going to cost an extra $5,000. Well, I see, I see that both of you guys are really great with being able to outsource to the right people, being able to fully trust experts to do what they do best and going in that together. And I love that you guys said that you just, you have each other's back once you make a decision and it really seems like it is this team decision coming together and that team extends to everyone touching your brand and no matter which way it is and really trusting everyone that while yes, you guys are the ones with the skin in the game, everyone still has that best intention. But at the end of the day, you guys are the founders, you know, you know, you, you have to look at your partnership uh, with your business partner, the same way you would with your romantic partner when it comes to communication, not, you know, the uh, side with the benefits of it. But really, you know, like you show up at a party, right? And your partner says something that you disagree with, but you're in front of everybody else. You have their back regardless. You leave the party, you're in the car driving back home. You're like, listen, you said this. I don't know how I feel about that. But then you discuss it then. But together, when we're sitting in a Zoom meeting or anywhere else, you know, we have we have each other's back all the time. Yeah, I've disagreed with 50% of everything Mike said in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but you would never know. <laughs> so, that's not true. <laughs> but working working with working with a partner in business is so challenging. I've had a few in different areas and they don't always work out well. And so if you want something to work, that has to, if you have a partner in business and don't go into business with a partner that you're questioning. And that's really good advice. I'm especially seeing more and more people want to go into business with a partner these days versus trying to go at it alone. And so for anyone out there who is considering that or who is, um, you know, with the partner right now, I think you guys are a really great example of how to make that work and, and things to look for in terms of how to complement each other's skill set, make decisions together and really go at it like, like a true partnership, not just on paper, but a legit partnership to accomplish the end goal. Uh, thanks, Ainsley. And it's also, I know what it's like not having a partner for a long time. And it's incredibly lonely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I, I see a lot of people with that. Sorry, Ainsley, I interrupted you. I would not want to do this alone. If, like, A, I wouldn't have had the skills. Like, I couldn't do this alone. But also, I wouldn't want to do this alone. Like, you know, because there are nights where you wake up and you're thinking, this is never. Like, what the hell? What the hell are we doing here, right? This is a crap idea. The design stinks. Who's going to buy this? This is idiotic. Like, what am I even doing here? Um, you know, I have so no... You were, you were thinking the same thing I was last night? <laughs> are we... Are we making the right decision here, Andres? Should we should we roll it back before we put too much in? You know, and then we're at a stage now where we have to invest serious money into this, right? I mean, we're at our first funding stage because we need to roll this out in order to sell to the U.S., in order to sell to Europe, 
in order to sort of roll out the the new SKUs that um, you know Whole Foods is asking for. That costs money. That's not a cheap date. And we are not at a stage like one of the first things when we started talking. And I think, you know, it's, it's Mike saying it is a bit like a marriage because when you meet your romantic partner, you know, you have these conversations. Like when you sort of figure, you know, this could be serious. Do you want kids? Where do you want to live? Like, you know. You wish you had those conversations. <laughs> wish you had those conversations. Okay. You know, and so, and so the, we had the conversations at the beginning. It's like, you know, how clean do we want the label to be? Like, how close are we going to stick to the whole Boreal thing? You know, and how, where are we going to get our ingredients from? How are we going to treat this? Like, how are we? And that is just so important to get right from the very beginning. You know, when you have these, these dark nights and and I think everybody has them where you doubt yourself where you don't trust your skills anymore where you really think this is a stupid idea and when you're putting a signature behind a document where you know the numbers are very 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 long and it's dead you know that's that's something where looking at your partner who's got your back or looking at partners who have your back that's a, a very reassuring thing yeah, absolutely. It makes hopefully for less sleepless nights, or at least, you know, you can chat with someone about it in the morning <laughs> to get those pieces off the mind. And, um, oh, I call them up and sleep. <laughs> I don't sleep. They don't sleep. <laughs> well, Andreas, Mike, thank you guys so much for opening up and sharing everything that's going on with Boreal Botanicals and what you're doing there. And I'm excited to see you guys grow and just see more people get on the train of functional beverages that can do really well for them. Uh, and, and I'm excited to see you guys grow. For anyone who's listening right now and they are wanting to pick you up, where, where's the best place for people to find you? I think today, well, maybe I'll let you speak to that, Andres. No, that's okay. Um, it depends uh, when the podcast is going to be out. We're definitely on shelf at uh, Nature's Emporium. Uh, well.ca if you want to order online well.ca is a really good well, that's option that's a great one anybody could order it off well.ca right now yeah absolutely, absolutely. and um, I, I, I look today I don't think it's on the website today is what's the date November the 25th um, but I expect it to be in there in the next week and if you the other option to buy it is just straight from our website borealbrewing.ca but it's also I think the big carrots you'll see it in Whole Foods a number of grocery retailers will be coming up in the new year um, so we should see it all over the place but Amazing. right now I think the best place is well.ca probably if you're going to buy it online yeah that's a really good one Awesome. Good. Well, I'm sure lots of people are thirsty for this now. So thank you guys so much for sharing all this and wishing you guys all the success. Thank you so much, Ainsley. It's been a pleasure being on your podcast and uh, what a wonderful podcast. Thanks, Ainsley. Thank you, guys. <laughs>